Good evening. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Freddie. I'm the pastor of Young Adults, and we are continuing in our series here on Amused to Death. As many of you know, we just had our second little boy, right? So I, I look a little bit more tired. Come on, I'm excited. You should be excited. Uh, he is, August is our second little one. He's like almost six weeks. My hope is to bring him in January, like when he's a, just old enough that he doesn't fall asleep at 7 because the, the cutoff doesn't work, right? We start at 7.30, or, or where's Adam? We're supposed to start at 7.30, but we start kind of late. But anyways, I hope to bring August. My other son is named Isaiah, and I'm going to tell you a story about Isaiah, and I'm going to compare him to another kid. So bear with me. Isaiah is what I would call a rambunctious little boy. He has a lot of energy, uh, and he goes to Snap City almost every day. By that, I mean he runs into stuff, falls off stuff, kicks stuff, drops stuff on himself. Basically, every day, I will hear thump or from the other room, and then I'll hear ow, ow. And I like, he'll come to me, and the very first words out of my mouth are, you're okay, you're okay. My wife and I decided we will not be helicopter parents, or we're trying to not be helicopter parents. So every time he gets hurt, what I tell him is, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. And then behind his back, I say, no brain, no pain. So he shakes it off. I want to compare Isaiah to a kid I met at day camps this summer. So day camps is something we do here at the church, right? So in the summer, if you have a little time off work, I would love it if you volunteered. I show up sometimes. It's a great way to serve our church and connect with uh, young people. Young, like little kids look up to young adults because they think you're like good at everything. You might not be good at everything, but in a little kid's eye, you totally are. So I was there serving, and I met this kid who was a third grader. So that would be like eight years old. That is seven years more life than Isaiah. This kid uh, was carried into the building by his leader, screaming, in tremendous pain. And my first thought is this kid broke his leg. Like he was like, ah! like just screaming that he was in so much pain. I was like, okay, broken leg, like burst appendix. I was trying to think, what's a painful thing, right? That's what he had to have had to happen to him. And his leader was like, oh, it looks so painful. I'm so sorry, buddy. I'm so sorry, buddy. Carries this kid in, sets him down next to me, and I'm like, hey, buddy, what's wrong? And he's like, and the leader's like, his hand, man, his hand. And I was like, his fingers are snapped off. Like I, I was thinking something bad. He shows me his hand. There was a scratch, and it wasn't even bleeding anymore. Like, it was just right there. But what this kid had heard was, oh, buddy, I'm so sorry. That looks so painful. Oh, buddy, I'm so sorry. That looks so painful. This kid lived into his story. Isaiah lives into his story, too. You're okay, buddy. You're okay. You're buddy. You're okay. This kid lived it into his story. The reason I tell you these stories is because human life is that. We experience things, and then we interpret them. We experience things, and then the people around us help us understand those things. We're in this series, right, Amused to Death, of the impact that our entertainment makes on us. And the last time we were together, I, I tried to make the argument that the, the movies we consume, the stuff we watch and hear, it shapes us. Stories shape us. And today I want to make the argument that the stories we tell shape other people. So that's the big idea for today. The stories we tell shape the people that we tell. 
Today's passage is really, really short. We're in Proverbs 12, 18. That's in the middle of your Old Testament. It's wisdom literature. It is one sentence. This is what it says. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. That's it. From this one verse, I want you to see that the stories we tell shape the people we tell. There's one big comparison in this passage. There's what's called rash words and then a wise tongue or what we would call wise words. So that's our first point. Rash words, wise words. So Proverbs is a book of what we call wisdom literature. If you're not familiar with it, in the Bible we have certain books, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, uh, and portions, uh, like, yeah, and then portions of other books that will, would also be considered wisdom literature. And it's like directions for life. Uh, it's, it's what we would call applied knowledge. It's lessons that you learn by observing the world that God has made. And we see these in, in our own culture. Like, it's not just scripture that records them. We see this in our own culture. So the early bird gets the worm. That's right. The second mouse gets the cheese. The pest control guy gets them both. Right? We have wisdom literature. So what wisdom is, is we're looking at the world and we're like, that's kind of how it works. Right? If, if you work hard, if you show up first, there's a reward. The early bird gets the worm. And then sometimes if you're the first guy that, you know, shares the idea, you get pooped on, then the second guy looks smart. The second mouse gets the cheese, right? So when we look at the world around us, we see that uh, this is the way it works. This is wisdom. We share that with others through these little proverb statements. The Bible contains a whole bunch of those kinds of statements. The book of Proverbs is, is just that. So then there are ideas that you see. Pride comes before the fall in, in Proverbs 11, uh, that sin is a trap. Right? It, it draws you in, uh, look, come for a good time, and then you die. You fall into a snare. Talk is cheap, Proverbs 14, 23. The Bible has these lessons that are meant to teach us something. And the big comparison in all of these Proverbs is the wise man and the foolish man. And, and which one you are is revealed by your actions. You're, you're, you're the wise person if you, you know, control your temper, if you watch your tongue, if, if you pursue righteousness, or you learn God's word, and you're the fool if, if you have a bad temper, uh, if you slander people, if you plot violence. So this comparison is, is present in the entire book, and specifically in 1218, we see this contrast between the wise person and the foolish person in that the foolish person uses rash words, and the wise person has a, a wise tongue or, or gives wise words. I think this is true because your speech reveals what you are. Like the way you talk shows if you're wise or foolish. The word in, in Proverbs 12, 18 for rash words is a word that is, in, in Hebrew, it's bada bada. Like it, it sounds like babbling because that's what the word means. It's, it's babbling. It's angry words. It's outbursts. It's someone who cannot control their tongue. And I think it, when, we, when we look at the people around us, we would say, yeah, like someone who talks too much, someone who doesn't know when to be quiet, someone who overshares their opinion, like they're kind of foolish. They say dumb things. But I don't think it's just the oversharing. I think it's also we, we say harsh things. We say mean things. I want to share my own experience of someone roasting me with a rash word. So I, I mentioned before that I like to hoop, and I was hooping with Adam and Luke and a few other guys, and I have what I call an off night because normally I get buckets, but on this day I was not getting buckets. And then uh, Jonah Thiessen, 
Yeah, Jonah Thiessen, who is not a shooter, uh, as I was shooting a three-pointer, I heard these words out of his mouth, not a shooter. And my heart sank to my ankles that are broken. I, I was like, oh, everyone here thinks I'm not a shooter. So the rest of that game, I didn't shoot. The rest of that night, I didn't shoot. If you ask Jonah, Jonah, is your intention to destroy Freddie's confidence in all of life? Uh, he would say, no, I'm just roasting him in this game because I want to be better than him. But, you know, he spoke rashly. He, a little outburst. It's just fun. But it affected me. It changed the way I played. This is a tiny example, but life is like this. The words we share with people affect them. It changes their behavior. It affects the way that they view themselves. Because fundamentally, this is what speech is. The reason that we talk is because we want to be heard. We want to shape the world around us. The words that we share shape people. They shape perceptions. They tell a story. So I want to give you three ways that I think we give rash words, like everyone. I think at different times, all of us act the part of the fool by giving rash words. I think the first one is that we overshare. I think we give way more detail than is necessary. Uh, we, sometimes we are what I would call a dripping Debbie, uh, a person who has to give you every possible detail about everything that could possibly be wrong. Like, life is super hard. I can't get a win. I'm struggling. Like, I don't even want to be here. And we, we just share. We dump on people. We can be a drip. I think we can be a, a, a burdensome Brian. I think as people try to give advice or they try to help or they try to actively listen, you're like, no, 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 no. No one can help me in this. It's not just enough for me to share my burdens. not enough for me to share my pain. I don't actually want help. I just want us to dwell in it here, and I want you to dwell with me. I think we overshare, and in that oversharing, I think we're, we're speaking rash words. We're, we're sharing negative ideas. We're sharing a, a, a picture of the world that is dark, and we're inviting people into it. And if they try to help us walk out, we're like, no, 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 you got to live here with me. We overshare. I think we exaggerate. When we tell stories, it's really easy to, to bend the truth a little bit. It's not a hard day. It's a hard life. It's the worst thing that could have ever happened. I'll never financially recover from this. Right? We, we use phrases. We say things. That's from Tiger King, but apparently none of y'all got it. You'll remember when I'm done. Uh, anyways, we, we exaggerate our details. We share so many things in such a way that we're like, no, 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 this, this is the worst the worst possible thing. No, no one has suffered. Like, no one understands. No one can help me. And we also do that in the opposite. So that's the negative side. We also do it on the opposite. Everything is awesome. Uh, there's nothing that could possibly be wrong. Like, everything is perfect. My life is amazing. Everything is great. Look at the gram. Look at my life. We, we exaggerate in terms of being a whiny Wendy. Uh, and I think we can also be braggy Bob. We just, we say things that... We just exaggerate. We, we don't care if it's true or not. We overshare. We exaggerate. And I think worst of all is we compete. When people tell you a story, we, all of us, this everyone in the room, we have this impulse, like from the bottom of our soul, that the first thing I want to do is, that's crazy. Let me tell you my story. So someone is like, 
I like, dude, I've had such a terrible week. Like I failed the test and I'm like, bro, that's crazy. Cause I actually failed the test last week and I have two this week. And then someone walks up and they're like, oh, you guys talk about failed tests? I failed my driving test and my dog died. You're like, oh my goodness, I guess you have it pretty bad. I'm like, no, 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 that's nothing, bro. My grandma died. You're like, I didn't know this was a competition. I, your life sucks. I, I, you can have that one. I don't want to win this race. We, I'm not saying you're, I pointed in that direction, but I, I wasn't looking at you, Jameson, my bad. What I'm trying to say is that we speak rashly because we say things without even thinking and we don't realize that we are oversharing, we're exaggerating, and worst of all, we are competing to share stories with people. And the way that we speak shapes how people understand their life in profound ways. This, this series, what we've been trying to, what, trying to cover is that the words and stories that we sh- consume shape people, right? That was last week. Right, the movies you watch, the TV shows you watch, they're giving you a message. And that message is shaping the way you view the world. This week I'm trying to talk about that the stories we share, the way we talk to people shapes them. It shapes the way they understand their life, their experience. And next, week, or next time we're together, Julie's going to talk about the, the stories that we live and how they shape us, not just for like today, but like for eternity. So the stories that we're living, the stories that we're interpreting around us, they impact people greatly. The reason for this is, as as I mentioned before, that's what speech is. We want to be heard. We want to communicate. We want to inspire change. And the very nature of words is that they are designed to do something, right? Words penetrate to our very heart. I hear it and, and I believe it. It affects the way I think. It affects the way I feel. And if I believe it, if I feel it, it becomes the way I talk. It becomes a story that I share. I think we see this most easily in in music. Like music is something that captures our affections. It captures our heart. You hear a catchy song, you're humming it the rest of the day. Right? You, You hear a song you like, you're adding that album. You only like one song but you're gonna add the entire album and you're gonna probably listen to it because I love that song, maybe I'll love the rest of it. What stories do they have? You want to consume it and you might not know that as you're consuming it, it is shaping the way that you think, the way that you talk. And then actually when we sing, we are spreading that story. When we play that music as we're driving places or working out or hanging out with friends, we are sharing stories that are shaping them too. I want to give you a few examples. I, we posted on Instagram again, but you turkeys realized my trap and gave all Christian answers. So you dodged me this time, but lucky for you, or maybe unlucky for you, I, I have a, a couple playlists on the Apple Music that are what I would call suspect. They have uh, some non-Christian music. Like I almost listen to hymns, but occasionally, occasion, I'm sorry, Luke, occasionally I, have, I listen to some Drake. You feel me? So... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after two people that I know we all dearly love. I'm going to go after Drake. I'm going to go after Taylor Swift. So I'm going to give you, I know, touch not the Lord's anointed, right? But hey, we're going for it. All right, so I want to show you a couple lyrics. I'm not, I'll rap Drake's, but I don't know how to sing Taylor Swift's because her voice is weird. But and she's fine. She's fine. I'm not knocking her. I'm not knocking her. You can listen to her newest album. Go nuts. All right. 
I'm going to share you with lyrics, and then I'm going to show you the story, or like the, the idea that's being forwarded, and, I, and I, the, I think, toxic nature of that idea. So one of my favorite songs by Drake is God's Plan. This is from a few years back, right? The song's fire. I listened to it. All right, and, but the, like the way it speaks about relationships. So listen to this. Uh, she said, do you love me? I tell her only partly. I only love my bed and my mama. I'm sorry. Right? And you're like, okay, cool. I get it. Hey, yeah, I should rap, right? Come on. Fitty dub. I even got it tatted on me. No, that's enough? Okay. Preston said stop. Uh, I listened to that when I got Isaiah in the back, roll the windows down, and I'm jamming. Uh, but the message that Drake is sharing is he's like, well, no, a loveless relationship is normal. This girl, she loves me, and she asked me if I love her. And I'm like, only partly. Like, what would you do if you're in a relationship with someone, and they, you told them, I love you, and they say, only partly? I'd be like, dang, that, that's not good. Like, I do premarital counseling, and if I was in a room with a couple, and the girl's like, man, I love this guy. And I'm like, bro, how you feeling? I really only partly, I only love my man and my mama. I'm sorry. I would be like, boy, I, right? what are you doing? And I would like, I'd say, listen, I'd, I'd look right at the girl and I would say, get out. Like, you're not, you need to leave. This guy's terrible. This is not the relationship that you want, right? That, if I saw that in real life, I would say, this is a horrible story. Do not live this story. But if you put a nice beat to it and Drake's voice, I'm like, this is, this is fire. This is a bop. I want to listen to it again. We're going to go up to Taylor Swift now. Karma, I, actually, I listened to it today and I cannot sing at her pitch, so I'm not even gonna try. So uh, this is the line, the, I think the chorus, right? Cause karma is the thunder rattling your ground. Karma's on your scent like a bounty hunter. Karma's gonna track you down step by step from town to town, right? Her idea, right? The message that she's giving you is what goes around comes around. I don't think that's true. Uh, that is a Buddhist idea. Uh, and it is actually an antithetical to Christianity idea. Christianity is built on the idea that you do not get what you deserve. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that you deserve God's eternal wrath, and yet Jesus died in your place so that you would get mercy. The Christian hope is that you will not get what comes around. But Taylor Swift sings it. I'm happy to play it. The stories that we sing, the stories that we share through the music that we're playing, it shapes the people around us. A loveless relationship is normal. I'm like, no, it's not. Break up. A, what goes around comes around. This is the way the world works. No, it's not. The gospel of Jesus says you get mercy when you do not deserve it. So this music, it shapes us. But it's not just the music that we play, right? It's, it's the impact it makes on us. All of the entertainment that we've consumed shapes our speech and makes us say wild things. So I want to give you a story from the, from the New Testament where we see, I think, the brokenness uh, of, of worldview. So this is from John chapter 9. Oh, it's not loading. How sad. The internet is broken. Hold on. While you're waiting, you can't. No, never mind. Now it is loading. <laughs> nope, now it's not loading. 
Oh, okay, there you go. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not this man that sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. This story is quite sad. In it, the disciples of Jesus are walking with him, and they see a guy who's blind from birth. And their worldview, the story that they shared was every human suffering, every instance of human suffering is caused by personal sin. Can you imagine if you believe that? If you believe that every hard thing in your life was the result of your failure or your parents, what a tremendous burden that would be. And the disciples of Jesus believed that. And they believed it to the extent that they shared it. And they're like, Jesus, Jesus, can like help, you know, clarify for us which one it is. We know it was caused by sin. The question is whose sin, his or his parents? They shared a story, a story that I think if the man had heard it would have dramatically added to his burden. He was born blind. Like, how could I have done this to my, well, I guess my parents sinned, but what could they have done that was so bad that God would take my eyesight for life? And Jesus responds by speaking wisely, by speaking life. He says that this is so that the works of God might be displayed. He, off, he offers a corrective. Suffering just is. It's a result of living in a fallen, broken world. And what, what God does is he works in that brokenness and he helps people. He saves people. That's the light. Like this is so that the, glory, the works of God may be revealed for God's glory. So Jesus looks at a circumstance where someone shared a story that shaped them for the worse, and he speaks life. He, he preaches good news. This is, again, this is part of the Christian message. The, the Christian message, when we summarize it, sometimes we just say it's good news. It's, it's just stuff that we believe. We, or, sorry, it's not just stuff that we believe. We believe that God is doing something. That even when things are bad, even when things are hard, God is working in our world. So the Christian message is that God is working in the midst of hard things. If you're here, you're a Christian, I want to remind you of the words of Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your, love, or keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, for God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The reason that money is so alluring to us is because we think it gives us security. It will protect me from all the pains of life. And Jesus reminds us, be content. You're never going to have enough. There will always be more money. But God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The good news of Jesus is that he has made a way for you to be in relationship with God where God would look at you and say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's good news. That's a much better story than the suffering in your life is caused by your own bad decisions. If you're here and you're like, not really sure about this Christianity thing, you're not sure about this Jesus thing. You might not even be sure about the series. Or maybe I'm making a big deal of stories and you're just not buying it. I, I want you to see the story of, of Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, Jesus seems to understand our story. That life is difficult. Life does have challenges. There are things that we would change if we had the power to do it. And into that story... 
into that existence, he, he speaks a better story. Where he says, no, come to me. I can actually give you rest. I can fundamentally change things for you. So the, the solution then to rash words is wise words. So we, we must be the people that use wise words. I, I've said it already, but I want to say it again, that people interpret their experience. No one just lives life. We live life, and then we share about it in an attempt to understand it. And when people hear us share about it and they respond, they help us understand it. The advice they give, the feedback they give, the encouragement they give shapes the way we understand those experiences. The disciples of Jesus see some suffering and they're like, caused by sin. And Jesus says, no, no, you're getting it all wrong. Let me, let me give you a better story. Let me shape the way you understand suffering. Suffering is for God to work. That, that's a way better story. So the question for us then is if we want to be people who give wise words, if we want to be people like Jesus who speak life, how do we do that? How can I, when someone is sharing their hard things, as they overshare, they exaggerate, they're competing, and I'm listening to their story, and I'm, and I'm saying, I don't want to speak rash words. I don't want to respond to their rashness with my own. I want to have a wise tongue. I want to speak wise words. I think the very first thing that we need to do is we need to remind ourselves of the gospel in that moment, right? So I, I taught the interns today, the math students, and I'm like, I use four words back to back to back to explain the gospel. God, man, Christ response. Right, so there's a God, this God made everything, and because this God made everything, people owe him obedience, worship, praise, thanksgiving, but people are not like that. Everyone is selfish, everyone does what they want, and God said, I'm not gonna let the world be a selfish, miserable place. I'm going to send Jesus, who is selfless. Jesus dies a sacrificial death for selfish people who did not care, and then offers them eternal life. He says, come to me. I will give you rest. And then, ultimately, we must respond. We have to live in obedience to him. We choose to follow him. We repent of our sin, and then we walk with Jesus. He calls us, follow me. Follow me. So this gospel message, we need to remind ourselves of it. And then as people share their stories, even when they exaggerate, even when they overshare, even when they compete, we want to look for what I call the gate. There's, there's a book, I get this from a book, um, Instruments in the Hands of the Redeemer. And in the book, he talks about a couple ways that as people share their stories, they provide entries, entry gates into their life where we can speak a better story to them. So... People will say things that are emotional, right? Anger, fear, hurt, right? They'll use words that show, that they're emotional words. Uh, people will give you interpretive words. So they'll tell you not just what they're feeling, but how they've reacted to their situation. Uh, I don't care. It's not a big deal. This is unfair. I can't believe this is happening. They'll use these kinds of phrases. And often, in addition to all of that, you'll hear self-talk. You'll hear, I am such a blank. I'm such an idiot. I can't believe this happened again. I'm such a loser. I'm so alone. They'll, t they'll use these words describing themselves, and you see that story that is helping them interpret their life in a really negative, really dark, really destructive way. So we, then, as they've shared their story, we want to respond with wise words. 
and we can step into that story and we can remind them of a gospel truth. So someone's like, I, I'm so angry that this person slandered me. They've been talking trash. They won't shut up. They keep saying things about me and I'm gonna confront them. And if it gets physical, it gets physical because I'm sick of their garbage. And in that moment, you can see, no, they, this person is hurting. This person is angry. I've heard emotive language. I've heard self-talk. And you say, hey, listen, I'm like, I know you're feeling angry, but let me tell you a, a better story. That Jesus was slandered. Like the, the God of the universe who made people sat through his own execution. Like he, he was there as people like smacked him and spit on him. People that the only reason they exist is because he gave them life. So I know you're getting slandered. I know you're getting trashed. But Jesus also got slandered. Jesus also got trashed. And he forgave. So I'm like, you don't have to react the way you're doing it. You can, you can live a better story than that. Someone might share something like, I'm, I'm so stupid for trusting this person. Right? They, they, they just got let down by a friend. They, they got cheated on by someone. And they're like, no, this, I'm ticked. I'm, I'm never going to trust again. I'm never going to let myself live this again. You're like, that's a terrible story. That's a lonely story. And we can step in and we can say, no, no, no. Like, the, the gospel reminds us that people are selfish. People will let you down. And, and the hope is that God steps in and makes a way for people to change. This person who hurts you, they can actually change. What they need is Jesus. I'll give you one more. We, we feel maybe you're just, you know, life is chill, and you're just like, I, I don't, you know, you have a friend maybe that is just, I, they don't do much. And when you ask them why don't you do much, they're like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling it. I just kind of, I've just, you know, I've had a busy season, and now I just want to chill. It's just, I don't want to do that much. I don't want to get, you know, overburdened. And in that moment, the, the, the story they're living is not one of leisure, it's not one of rest, it's, it's one of, of laziness. And that will lead them somewhere dark, that, that leads them to poverty, says Proverbs 6. So we can respond with the gospel, hey man, no, God made you to worship him, to serve him, to thank him. This gospel message is what people need to be reminded of in the midst of their painful stories, in the midst of their hard stories, to help them have a better story to help them interpret their life in a better way. The solution to rash words is wise words, is words that help you interpret your story in a better way. My son will learn good things and bad things from me. My hope is that one of the good things he learns is wise words. And not just in the sense that when he falls down, when you know, he goes to Snap City, that he just hears, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. My hope is that as he grows older and faces things that are much harder than skin knees and stub toes, that the story he hears from his dad is, no, there is a God, and this God loves people, and this God is working in your life, in everything that you're facing. So, son, I know you're, you're mad about whatever, you're hurt about whatever, but there's a better story, a story of God working in this world, the suffering as John 9 said, is an opportunity for God to show his mighty works. My hope is that I will be able to teach him the big story to shape the way he interprets his own personal story. The stories we tell 
shape the people that we tell. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to invite up the worship team. So, bow your heads with me. Father God, thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for your word, that even in Proverbs, even in a, a wisdom text written so many years ago, that we can learn something about the way that our stories, the way that our speech shapes the people around us. Uh, Father, I pray that we would speak better stories to those around us. Our hope is to speak life to a world that does not have enough of it. That life is found only in you, so help us share the story of Jesus. In your mighty name, amen.